Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role, and ultimately we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. Today on the show, we have Erica Wiggenhorn. Erica is an award-winning author and founder of Every Life Ministries, bringing you the truths of Scripture to transform your life. Her latest book, Letting God Be Enough, has just come out, and we're going to discuss that today. Erica, it is a pleasure to have you here. I am elated to be with you today. Well, thank you so much, and, and I'm excited to have this conversation because I believe that we're in a season and time where people, if they don't realize that God's enough, they're searching everywhere else, and, and clearly you know, whatever they're looking for cannot be found without him. So tell us what led you to write this book and and give us a a little synopsis. Yeah. So I have struggled with a fear of inadequacy, a fear of not being enough, imposter syndrome, whatever you want to call it, uh, pretty much as long as I can remember. But it really came, came to a head for me right after I had signed my very first publishing contract. And I went to Chicago to meet the publishing team. And I had another contract in the works. And I was getting ready to leave our hotel room. I was with another fellow author. And as I was buttoning up my coat to head out to catch our cab, my hands just started to shake. And I started to just sweat and my stomach just clenched in a knot. And I looked at her and I said, I can't go. I I, I can't go in there. They're going to take one look at me and they are going to realize they made a huge mistake publishing me. And they're going to take my next contract. They're going to rip it up. I'm like, I can't go. Tell them I got sick. And she just kind of cocked her head at me and looked at me and she said, oh my goodness you totally have imposter syndrome. And I was like, what, what's that? And she's like, Google it right now. You know, so I'm shaking, I'm taking my phone out of my pocket and I'm Googling imposter syndrome and everything that I was feeling in that moment, every lie that was running through my head uh, was exactly what I was thinking. And you know, she's like, listen, that is a lie of the enemy. They are going to be thrilled to meet you. They're going to adore you as much as I do. Turn around, march, lady. We're going to go down to that publishing house and we're going to have a great day. And so we did. And, you know, I made it through the day the whole time. I just felt tense and ill at ease and just kind of faked it till I made it through. And uh, I got back that night. And as I laid my head down on the pillow, I just said, God sensed God saying to me, you know, this was supposed to be a day of celebration. This was supposed to be a day where you were excited about the opportunities that I've given you. And instead you, you let lies rob you of all of that joy. Like, how long are you going to live like this? When are we going to deal with this lie in your life? And in that moment, I knew, 
all right, I, I need to I need to uncover this whole imposter syndrome thing. And one of the things I've discovered is how incredibly pervasive it is, especially among people that are really high performance, go getter, uh, you know, type A accomplished people. It almost seems to be more pervasive in that audience type than maybe some other people. And you would think it'd be the opposite, right? Because it's, I've accomplished all these things. So now I'm not an imposter. I, be I belong at this table. I have all these reasons I can cite for you why I should be sitting in this place, but it's actually the opposite. So. Wow. I mean, I, I definitely can relate to what you're talking about. And, um, you know, when I first started my business, you know, I went through a very challenging season. I felt like God was calling me to start this business and I start walking in it and immediately lose 40% of my income. But, but, you know, I didn't want to share that with anybody because, you know, th the nature of my business, like I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. And, and all of a sudden, like, how did I become bad overnight? And nobody's going to want to do business with me because, you know, in, in it, they are lies. They are absolutely lies. And, and the reality is that, that God's got plans and purpose for our life, but the enemy is just as real and he is opposing God's plans for our life. So there is a constant spiritual battle that is going on in every situation that we face. And oftentimes we're not even aware of it. So we get caught in crossfire a lot of the times. And, um, you know, thankfully, you know, the, the relationship that I develop with the Lord and continuing to grow into who he says I am versus what the enemy was lying to me and, and telling me how I was defined. You know, I broke through to the other side and I didn't give up, but I do think that that so many people give up due to exactly what you're talking about. Those lies overwhelm them. They don't go to that meeting. They don't get on that phone call. They don't start that business. They don't go on that, you know, Whatever that call is that God has for them, they are not willing to step out because the enemy is very loud and, and God's got a, a very still soft voice. And so, you know, oftentimes the, the thing that's the loudest, that's what people pay the most attention to. And that's evident in all aspects of our society right now. So from that standpoint, how many people do you think battle this daily in America, if not the world? Ooh, good question. I think just about everybody battles it to some degree or another. Maybe the battle isn't, do I have what it takes to step out in faith and start my own business, right? It may not be something so huge as that, but it could be, you know, that question of, you know, am I being a good enough mother? Am I being a good enough spouse? Um, am I being a good enough family member? Am I honoring my parents enough? I mean, we battle this whole concept of being enough in all sorts of relationships and, and assignments. And so I think it's very, very pervasive. I think one of the ways that the enemy uses it is exactly what you were talking about. You know, it's that whole adage, like, you know, a good thing can become a bad thing when it takes the place of the best thing. And so if the enemy can convince us that we don't have what it takes to pursue the best thing, which is what God is laying on our heart to do, which 99.999% of the time 
is going to be something that's beyond us. God doesn't generally, I mean, I can't really even think of one example in scripture. I don't know if you can, where God called somebody to do something and they went, oh yeah, I mean, I can totally see why God called me to do that because I have everything it takes and I'm going to rock it. I mean, every time God calls us to something, it's always beyond us, right? Because that's how he gets the glory. And so I think that, um, you know, what ends up happening is we end up forfeiting that best thing that God is really calling us to do. And we just decide to pursue an alternative good thing. Uh, And it may be a noble thing. It may be feel like, this is a wise, responsible course of action to take. Uh, but deep in our heart, we know that God is calling us to something more. And there's just this fear that keeps us from just completely opening our hands and surrendering and saying, um, God, to be honest, this terrifies me. And I have no idea how you are possibly going to do this but I'm going to trust you and I'm going to follow that still small voice that you're talking about, Matt. I'm going to follow that in obedience. That's really good stuff. Surrender is a dirty word. And I mean, when you think about war, when you surrender, you're giving up and in society surrender, you are, you know, you're, you're accepting defeat essentially as, as far as the world is concerned, but surrender is what it takes. And that's a part of the title of your book that that's where you've got to get to. From that standpoint, why do you think it is, I mean, obviously because the world's telling people to do the opposite, but but why do you think it's so hard for people to get to that place of surrender to realize that that God is enough? Yeah, so uh, the, the whole title is Letting God Be Enough, Why Striving Keeps You Stuck and How Surrender Sets You Free. And it's really tied you know, it's tied to that whole concept of imposter syndrome, which leads us to strive and strive and strive to try to be enough to try to be accepted, not rejected, uh, to avoid failure at all costs. And then surrender is really the opposite of that, right? We cease striving, and we rest in God's capability and his promises. And so this whole idea of surrender, uh, right, you're right, the world sees it as defeat. Um, surrender to God has a very, very different connotation, right? When you think about surrender in in the world's aspect of a, a war picture, for instance, what happens? You are handing yourself over to the victor, right? And you don't know if that victor is going to enslave you, reward you for being a noble. So, I mean, you have no idea, right? But when we're surrendering to God, we know God ultimately has good plans for us. He has what is best for us. And so our inability to surrender is really rooted in two primary things, I think. The first one is, and this is less common, but the first one is the greatness of God's capabilities. Do I really believe that God is able to orchestrate the ideal outcome? Is he powerful enough to do it? Most people that call themselves Christians, identify as a follower of Jesus would say, oh, of course I believe that. You know, of course I believe that. But the second one is not, 
is God able to uh, make good on his promises? Everybody pretty much believes that. The Where we wrestle is, is God willing to be good on my behalf? And so the one deals with the greatness of his capabilities, but the second, God being good, that really rests on our understanding of the goodness of God's character. And we can't know somebody's character outside of a relationship. So we have a hesitancy to surrender because we don't truly know the heart of God. And because we don't, we're like, well, I know God can be good, but will he be good? And there's just no shortcut for that. There's no shortcut for any relationship. It takes time. It takes intentionality. Uh, Anyone who's married knows that, right? Your marriage is going to be good and strong and you've got the same vision and you're moving in the same direction when you're intentional about connecting with your spouse and hearing their heart and knowing what's going on in their life. It doesn't just happen because you want it to. You actually have to make choices to enable it to. And it's the exact same thing with our relationship with God. Well, I definitely know firsthand that, you know, when you surrender, that everything can change. And I know the exact moment that it took place for me It was during a a season of 21 days of prayer in January of 2016. And the first day I got there, I'm like, these people are getting here at 6 a.m. This is nuts. And, you know, I got there and there were 700 some odd people at the campus that I was at that morning. I'm like, there's got to be something about I felt the presence of God as I was pulling in the parking lot, saw nothing but taillights, 545 a.m. I'm like, there's there's got to be something to this. And I got there and realized all these people that this many people can't be crazy. So I'm going to try this and I'm committed. I'm going to be here every day. And the first day, nothing happened. You know, I prayed. I'm like, how am I going to pray for an hour? You know, what, what, how did people do this for 21 days? I don't know. And then I just pressed and I kept doing it, kept doing it. Day 17, the Lord supernaturally revealed to me that my mom had been praying for me since I was born to meet a godly woman. And that I would meet a godly wife. And that's why he sent me. The Lord said, that's why I sent you your wife. And then when my wife encountered God, neither one of us were walking with the Lord at the point that we got married. We were complete heathens. But when she encountered the Lord in 2011, she started praying that I would meet godly men. And God revealed to me that these were the results of my mom's prayers and my wife's prayers. These were the men that I sent as a result of these prayers And at that point, I realized I was the one who'd been running from God. God was good. God had been there this whole time. I'm the one who's been going in the wrong direction. And all I had to do was turn around, completely surrender, ask him for forgiveness because I had been the selfish jerk who needed to get out of my own way. And at that point, I broke down and I wept and I was forever changed. And and it was a supernatural encounter with a living God who is good, who is loving, who wants that relationship with us. And, and I have not you know, looked back since that day. I, I look back to reflect and think how amazing it was, but not to ever think about the life that I had before and want that versus what I've got now in the supernatural exponential growth that I've had in all aspects of my life since then. It's been amazing. So 
absolutely surrender is key. And I do believe that there are so many, you know, quote unquote Christians that are walking around that say they believe, but they are not fully surrendered to everything that God has for them. The world right now is evidence of that, that clearly there aren't a lot of people walking around with complete peace that God's got them no matter what, that when they die, not if, when they die, they're going to be in heaven with Jesus. If they were fully surrendered to him and they fully knew that, there wouldn't be as much chaos as we're seeing right now. So I agree with you so much. And I think that um, that it's incredible that you've gone after this and you have tried to empower people that that is, is what they need. Stay tuned. We'll have more Living Life on Purpose after we hear from one of our sponsors. Are you a business person that's hungry for more of the Holy Spirit at work? Partnering with God is what you were designed for. Experiencing God at work and being a blessing to the city that you live in is accessible to every believer. Hearing from God for your business and city shouldn't feel mysterious or inaccessible. Heaven and Business exists to give you access to the tools and training you need to equip you to grow with God in business and influence. Begin with our free trial and an online membership, then explore the events, community, and other resources. Check out heavenandbusiness.com today if this is what you're looking for, and I promise you won't be disappointed. And now, back to Living Life on Purpose with your host, Matt Wilson. How did you realize you had imposter syndrome? And then you had to start dealing with that. What did that you know, journey look like? And, and how did you get to the point of, of writing a book about it? So pretty much with anything, uh, whenever I'm facing something, wrestling with something, questioning something, doubting something, the first thing I do is dive into scripture. So I dove into my Bible and I studied Moses, whom I affectionately refer to as the greatest self-doubter of the Bible. Uh, He definitely struggled with self-doubt. And so I started there. And one of the things that just immediately jumped out to me as I studied Moses and his encounter with God, and just going back to that whole surrender thing, you know, surrender, we always want to view it as like this whole abstract thing. Like, you know, I'm just laying my body on the altar and here I am. And I think what we have to understand is that surrender is a process. And most of the time, God is very specific with us in what he's asking us to surrender right now. It's a tangible, specific thing. And then next year, it'll be another tangible, specific thing. But what's beautiful in the Moses encounter and what is so contrary to what the world tells us, because when we have imposter syndrome or we struggle with a fear of inadequacy, leading psychologists tell us, you know, look in the mirror, unroll your resume and cite your past successes, cite your experiences, your accolades, your accomplishments, recount all of the things that have gone well in the past. And then you're going to be kind of propped up, if you will, to face whatever you're facing right now in your in your current situation. And that's definitely not bad advice. Uh, I have, as women especially, I don't want to speak for the men, but for women especially, we always downplay any of our giftedness or accomplishments. We don't know how to receive compliments. If somebody tells us good job, we're like, oh, it was nothing, you know. So it's not bad advice. 
But the problem is it's just inadequate advice because we will come across situations in our lives where we unroll our resume and there's nothing on it to prepare us for what we're facing right now, right? When my uh, the manager at my husband's office walked in two weeks ago and said, I just found out my 10-year-old daughter has bone cancer. This is an incredibly accomplished woman. She has graduate degrees. She's managed multi-million dollar companies. I mean, she's brilliant, but there's nothing on her resume to prepare her to be a mom of a daughter with cancer. So it's an inadequate solution, you know? Uh, and, and what we see with Moses is when God called Moses, Moses says to God, you know, well, who am I? You know, I can't do this. This is beyond me. Who am I to, to take on this assignment? Like, why, why are you picking me, God, right? And God does not unroll Moses's resume and give him all of these props as to why Moses is the guy for the job, which would have kind of been nice of God, seeing as how Moses wrestled with a fear of inadequacy. But God doesn't do that, even though God could have. He could have said to Moses, well, you know, you were raised in Pharaoh's court. You get how that whole world works. You know when to go in, when to speak, when to exit. You know, you got it all the protocols down. You speak fluent Egyptian. You understand the Egyptian religion. Um, you know, you were trained in the art of war and managing nations as, as a prince of Egypt. I mean, God could have given Moses all of those props but he doesn't. He simply promises Moses his presence. He's like, I'll go with you. I'm going to be with you the whole time. And that's what, that's the reason why Moses is the guy for the job because God is with him. And that's the reason why, you know, I'm writing these books because God is with me. And the minute he's not, I got nothing to say. Um, you know, I jokingly, say, you know, I belong, I belong to this organization called the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association. And I write, I speak. Advanced is pretty generous. But when we get together at this, this conference once a year, you know, we have to go around and we have to tell everybody, you know, who we are and what we do and all our accomplishments, right? We got to unroll our resume at the table. And I jokingly said to my friends this last year, I said, you know, next year when I come to this conference, what I really want to do is I want to get one of those big life-size cardboard cutouts of Jesus. And I want to just like, you know, hold it by the handle in the back and hobble in and put that big cardboard cutout next to me at the table. And when we have to go around and tell everybody like, why do you belong here? Why do you have a seat at this table? I just want to point to that big cardboard cutout and go, I came with this guy. <laughs> right? Like, that's it. Jesus is with you. That's what God told Moses. And I have taken so much comfort in that. When I have stepped out in faith, I've stepped into places that I think this is beyond me. I don't belong here. I don't have what it takes for this. I don't even know how to begin navigating this. Jesus is with me and he'll give me everything I need, right? Just like Paul said, he's like, you know what? 
I boast about my weaknesses because then the power of Christ may rest on me. And, and that's really how we have to reframe our mindset. Well, we know that when we are weak, he is strong. That's we right. know that, that through Christ, I can do all things because he's strengthening me. Yes. And, and so when we rest in that, it is so much greater than, than any, I mean, it, it is great to have a resume. It is great to have accomplishments. It's, it's a lot better than, well, I haven't really accomplished anything, but uh, you know, at the same time, we can pat ourselves on the back so much, you know, for me, again, what brought me to that point of surrender was I had been relying on my own accolades and my own abilities and God had to humble me in order to get my attention. And so he hit me where I felt like I was an expert and took away a lot of the trappings of this world in order to say, hey, are, are you going to listen to me yet? That brought me to that point of surrender. But at the same time, I always tell people you can humble yourself or God will humble you. Choose to humble yourself because I had to be humbled. But in doing that, you know, it was just so much greater than anything I could have experienced on my own. And, and I think that, you know, again, in a world that's telling us to just build up the, the worldly stuff, the worldly resume, the, the worldly strength, um, you know, all of the things that in the natural that, that look right to a man, you know, God's ways are not our ways. And, and the wisdom of God is foolishness to man and the foolishness of man is wisdom to God. And so, you know, from that standpoint, I just, I think that it doesn't have to make sense. If God is calling us to it, it doesn't have to make sense to anybody except you and God and your spouse. If you're married, I would say that you need to be on the same page there. But uh, so many times, you know, God is calling us to do things that I don't know what he's calling me. I like, I don't know. It made no sense for me to start this firm, to leave the firm that I was at, to start this firm. And like a lot of people were like, are, are you crazy? Like, what, what are you doing? Well, I feel like God's leading me to do this. What, what do you, what do you mean? And I hadn't even fully surrendered at that point. So, you know, that was 2014. I didn't surrender until 2016. So I was a slow learner. I know what, what I experience, but, but what would you tell people, how can they determine when they fully surrendered and, and what's that going to look like to them? So there's a couple of uh, very clear signs that you are still in that place of striving, that you're still bound in imposter syndrome. And the first one is uh, isolating. Uh, when we just get so focused on our doing that we are no longer taking any time to our being, uh, that is a very clear sign. So relationships begin to grow more and more distant. Um, our outside life and the way that we act and portray ourselves is very different to our inside life and how we are thinking or feeling about ourselves. So maybe out in the world, we're very confident and we're witty and we just feel act like we're just having the time of our lives. You know, but inside, you know, our stomach is in knots and we are unhappy or unsatisfied or just feeling this angst in our spirit like our life is not right. Uh, and but nobody knows it. Right. We are alone. We are isolated in that in that uh, place. 
And, you know, you had brought up something uh, earlier about how the, the world is so loud, you know, and God's um, voice is so still and so quiet. And one of the things that I often tell people is the more that the enemy can isolate us, the more he can influence us. And those subtle, you know, those subtle lies of the enemy get louder and louder. They shout the most loudly when we're alone. It's when we're in community that we can have other people that begin to speak truth into our lives about who we are and who God is and that he loves us and he created us with a purpose and on purpose. A community is is the primary way that those lies of the enemy become silenced. So isolating is a big one. Another big one is just micromanaging everything. It's this thought that, you know, I have to have my hand in all of it or this this house of cards that is my life is just going to crumble. And so, you know, we're just constantly having to tell everybody what to do, how to do it. We can't ever just let go and let people kind of figure things out on their own. So those are very two very clear markers. Um, surrender is really just this place of saying, you know what, this isn't exactly what I thought. I don't know exactly what God is doing here. I can't see God's hand. I can't see where God is leading. But I know God's heart. And I know his heart towards me is kind and good. And so I'm going to just keep moving forward and I'm going to trust that he, even though I can't see where God is headed, it doesn't mean he has stopped leading. And so that allows us to say, well, you know what? That didn't turn out exactly the way I was hoping, but that's okay. Um, Or for instance, you know, yesterday uh, I had eight and a half by 11 list of to do things. And my daughter comes in, she's 17. And she says, Mom, can we just spend some time together? Can I, you know, I can we just go grab coffee? And I was like, well, I really wanted to work on that to do list. But my relationship is more important. And so, um, you know, that's what surrender looks like. It's the ability to prioritize people over projects to be sensitive to God's voice to say, stop, I've got this, stop ruminating over this and put your energy over here. Um, And to be able to prioritize in the end, what's really most important. That is really good information. And, um, you know, you, you really touching on the isolation thing. I think that that is so important because if you look at this last year and a half, this season that people have been in, not only have they been isolated more than not, uh, but they've also been filled with lies, you know, whether that is from the devil, whether that's the news media, whether that is, you know, the government, I mean, take your pick and, and I don't care who's in office. I'm just telling you that there are more lies than truth right now in what is going on on a daily basis. And God has the only truth there is. You know, so this, my truth, your truth, blah, 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 blah. God's truth is the only pure and holy truth. And when people get isolated and they get bombarded with lies and they don't have God's truth, then 
you see chaos and destruction. So we've seen an increased amount of chaos and destruction for the last year and a half because people have not been in community. They have not been out and about looking people in the eyes saying, that person doesn't want to kill me. That person is not against me. That person is not whatever label everybody has told me that they are on social media or, uh, you know, be a news media. That's my brother. That's my sister. That's my friend. That's my coworker. That's somebody that I love. That's somebody who God made. And, and that's what an, an increased period of isolation can do, not just, just to an individual, but to an entire planet. And so I just, I've been a strong advocate that, you know, we need to continue to live, do it safely, do it wisely, but at the same time, living in community with people is the best thing that we can do to navigate any crisis, whether it's a health crisis or, or otherwise. And so I do think that we're seeing the results of that extreme amount of isolation for a long period of time. People have picked up habits or you know, died from other things, not just a sickness because they have been isolated. There's been a lot less accountability. There's been the ability to hide behind a screen and not really let somebody know what's going on in their life. And then you compound that with a lack of surrender to God at the same time. And that's why you're seeing a lot of, you know, the awful things that are taking place. So I'm thankful that you've got a book in this season, teaching people to do the opposite, get in God's word, get surrendered to him, trust him because his ways are better than ours. It's the only answer to all the things that we're facing as a world. I've really enjoyed this conversation and how can people find out more about you? Where can they get the book? Give us all that information. Sure. So my website is really a one-stop shop where they could get any information they need. Uh, it's ericawigginhorn.com. Do you need me to spell that? Yeah, you might as well. Okay. <laughs> it's E-R-I-C-A-W-I-G-G-E-N-H-O-R-N. And uh, you can find out more about the book, Letting God Be Enough. Uh, you know, maybe you were listening today and you're like, you know what, I, that's me. I don't, I don't have a deep relationship with God. I believe in God. Maybe I've gone to church my whole life, but I don't have that intimacy with God that you were talking about. Uh, go to my website. I have uh, three free eBooks on there. They're yours for the taking. One of them is 50 Days to Intimacy with God. So if that's you, uh, you want to grow closer in your relationship with God, you want to know his heart for you, uh, go download that free eBook. Excellent. Well, I know that this has been uh, extremely encouraging for me, and I know that our listeners are are going to enjoy it as well. If you have enjoyed this episode, we hope that you will share it with somebody who needs encouragement. Because again, in this season, everybody needs encouragement. So think of somebody as, as the Lord lays somebody on your heart while you're listening to this episode, send it to a friend, you know, send them the link, uh, share it on social media. You can follow us on Facebook, Living Life on Purpose, and then also on Instagram, Living Life on Purpose Always. We really appreciate you listening and we will catch you in two weeks.